Sarah? Yes, Josh? Are we ready? I think so. Great. Before we begin, we here at the Puppet Pod would like to acknowledge and honor that this land where we are situated is on a portion of the Aboriginal territory of the Seneca people, and by extension, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. We pay respect to Seneca peoples, past, present, and future, and offer our care and gratitude to the land, water, and air. For more information, please visit the Seneca Art and Culture Center at Ganondagan in Victor, New York. That's G-A-N-O-N-D-A-G-A-N. Or online at www.ganondagan.org. Thank Thank you. you. Hi, my name is Shana Stripe, and I think puppetry is innovation of materials. Puppetry is hard because the definition of puppetry is so wide and so immense. I think that puppetry could be anything. There really isn't a right way. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Puppet Pod, the podcast in which we talk all things puppetry, a visual medium, explored auditorially. Is that a word? Did I just make that up? With me to uh, make sure my words are real, the co-host, Sarah Stabley. Sarah, is that a real word? I think so. You're asking the wrong person. I just edit it. I don't don't say (laughs) if it's right or not. I don't know words. I just edit words. (laughs) <laughs> I make them sound like they could be real words. Well, you definitely do a good job at making me sound like I'm real uh, when we talk and taking out those things that I just did the uh, uh, filler spaces. <laughs> so I appreciate the wizardry that you bring to the podcast. So how's it going? How, how are you hanging in on this very, very muggy hot day? I'm doing all right. I'm sweating. I, I Hopefully I will be able to pull off some wizardry and edit out the fan buzz that you hear in the background, but it is so hot in here right now and no one can see me, thank God, or smell me because I am sweating profusely. Uh, I will say though, for the listeners at home, that one of my favorite things that I think has happened on the podcast to date is that all of us uh, sniffed our armpits just to check in with ourselves, see where we're at, you know, olfactorily. Wow, you're hitting, you've got three out of the five senses. Let's see if we can get all five. All right, well, we'll, we'll have to work in um, the gustatory system at some point. Uh, you can't really taste in a podcast, but... No, but you can have tasteful podcasts. Hey, you did it. All right, so there's four or five. <laughs> uh, we'll wait for the, the, the feeling sense later. Uh, I don't even know what the official <laughs> word for the feeling sense is, but... Tactile? Um, is that it? Tactile, tactile system? Well, I, oh, I don't know if it's the system. All right. Well, if you know more about the five senses than we do, which I'm sure there are a lot of you out there, uh, especially the big contingents <laughs> of uh, doctors and physicians that are listening to this puppetry podcast. Obviously. Please go to www.thepuppetpod.com and, uh, you know, send us an email. Go to the contacts and let us know that we are blathering idiots. But, Sarah, I got to tell you, there is someone that we are getting to talk to today that I'm so pumped and thrilled about, who also is an expert at blowing people away through the five senses uh, with her work as an artist. 
the incredible and amazing Shayna Stripe. Shayna, what's up? How are you? Hi, happy to be here. So pumped to have you on the Puppet Pod today. So where are you beaming in from? Um, as, as Again, for people that don't know, we're making a podcast in a pandemic. So we're all beaming in from different parts of the world and meeting on the lovely World Wide Webs. Uh, so where are you beaming in from? I'm beaming in from Brooklyn, New York, where it's a bit of a thunderstorm out right now. Oh, really? I wish. Yeah, it's, it's coming down. I'm a little bit bummed because I, <laughs> I just ordered a... Uh, a cat tent for my cat to, to play outside in like a large tent and today was going to be the setup day and woke up ready to ready to install and unfortunately we have to postpone uh and can you tell us if you don't mind the name of your cat my cat's name is piggy piggy peggy oh peggy okay <laughs> i mean peggy's still good too i think the way i say it peggy but yeah it's peg Oh, I wish so very much I could see Peggy frolicking in her cat tent. I know. Well, I'll I'll send y'all a little video. Amazing. Bonus material. Bonus material. That's right. Exactly. Uh, Shayla, so how have you been uh, hanging during this wild and intense time of life as an artist? And of course, you are a teacher as well. How have things been for you in the last few months? It's been pretty wild. Like I, um, school got let out in mid-March and I, I went home to New Jersey with my partner. It was like a very surreal time, but also sort of, I don't want to say amazing, but it was this very bizarre time when we were just in this very small place, both like making stuff and I was teaching online and yeah, there was just so many ebbs and flows of it being like completely horrible and then also really inspiring and hopeful. And I think that there was a lot that we, you know, sort of accomplished, like in terms of innovation, just like using what we had to, to pass the time. And like, I don't know, I'm just remembering one day we like played catch for like two hours with a ball. We're like, catch is amazing. Like, this is an amazing game. So I don't know. It's been really weird like that. And then Coming back to Brooklyn, um, it's it's felt good, you know, just to be here, being a part of the protests that are going on, and just being back in my studio has felt really good. So, ups and downs for sure. I feel that a hundred percent. It's been similar for me as well up here. Moments of like, oh my god, the world is on fire, and then it's on fire again, and, and sometimes. Literally on fire. And then literally on fire, like today. And then also, yeah, finding moments to feel a little bit of creativity or take action and help out a little bit. So, yeah, I I feel that. I think so many of us have been in that same boat. Um, I'm curious if you could talk maybe a little bit about some of the innovations that you are making, especially in the work that you do. Would you mind telling people the age group and what you do with the students uh, where you teach? Sure. Yeah. So I teach at Friends Seminary in Manhattan and I teach kindergarten, first grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, eighth grade drama. And just because of what I like, like a lot of the stuff at the lower school is film and puppetry. So we made like a film before coronavirus of Miss Nelson is Missing, the classic book and used a lot of masks and puppets and like weird stop motion that the kids made. And yeah, when, when the virus um, struck, I was asked to make 
videos instead of meeting with the kids live on Zoom, which I did with the middle schoolers. We had to make videos, and part of me has always wanted to have like a kids show. And so it was sort of this bizarre opportunity to bring out my green screen and like make a bunch of weird puppets and and sort of host this show every week that would prompt the students to make something. And sometimes their parents would send these bizarre creations back to me in a video. And it was honestly the most like life affirming part of this whole quarantine is getting these video submissions from first graders just going so ham in their houses, like making, you know, forts in their apartments, making puppet shows. And it was just so creative and mind blowing. And it, it was sort of this life force that I was just able to, you know, be buoyed by. That's amazing that you had that opportunity. And I love hearing too about uh, finding ways to feel a sense of creativity or quote unquote normalcy in it. Uh, and I saw one of the videos that you made where you turned your room into a green screen and there was like a, a dance video and then a series of multiple U's layered in doing different dance moves. Yeah. It's the weather dance. I found this like weather dance on YouTube and I like contacted the people who made it like 10 years ago. They're like, yeah, like go for it. And then the reality of that was like me like rushing because there's always like a time crunch to do these videos. So I like, I was like, oh, I want to be a sun, but like I don't have time to like make a real thing. So I had like a paper plate painted yellow that was just no eye holes like pressed against my face and like doing this choreo completely alone without any eye holes it was like so demoralizing but also I'm like this is it like this is my life I love it this is the dream <laughs> yeah that's amazing Sheena uh I wonder then if you could maybe talk to us a little bit about and you mentioned this earlier this idea of innovating with materials which I really like as a way to describe puppetry that exactly is what it sounded like you were doing with a lot of these videos and I wonder if you can apply that a little bit to this conversation about what puppetry is for you um, in, in a larger sense, or at least in the work that you like to make? Totally. Like, I think for me, puppetry is such a wide, broad definition. Like, I am so interested in puppetry, but I'm also really interested in objects and then animation and kind of finding the overlap between all those things. And um, really just going towards things that I don't know and I don't understand. Like, I guess it's not really puppetry, but I was just thinking of, uh, I, I really wanted to learn how to animate the past few months. And I just was trying to figure out like, how do I do this if I don't have any of the tools or the equipment? And then I was realizing like, if I paint something on green construction paper and then key out the green, it will be like a little image. So then I was like, oh, I could kind of like puppeteer the paint on the page to move and then key all of that green paper out and that will make like a moving animation. And like, I don't know if that's how people do that, but it was just really sort of exciting to figure out the process on my own, even though it like looks so botched, <laughs> but I was like, okay, yeah, like I get the concept of it now and now I can just play around with the form and how it works. And I think that's kind of something I've always done, you know, from like childhood on is, is just, messing around with stuff and I remember we had a, a teacher Shirley Kaplan who'd always be like make a mess and like that was her catchphrase and like I I remember 
being really little and I was like, I want to make a vest. Like I want to, I want to sew a vest, but I don't want to sew. And so I got like this disgusting, I remember I was probably like in second grade and I got like this brown felt and like cut it out. And then I remember like my dad brought up some apples and peanut butter for me. It's just a vivid memory, apples and peanut butter as I was making it. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to put these like buttons on. So I just like took the peanut butter and like pressed it against the, the felt and was like, this vest is amazing. Like this is what, and like that, that's sort of the vibe that I'm still going for. It's like, it's kind of botched, but also it's working with what you have and just trying to be innovative with those kind of materials. That's awesome. I would love to see that vest come to life at some point in the future <laughs> held together with peanut butter. I think that is incredible. Yeah. Got to smear it on, you know. I don't know. There's yeah, like a yeah. Shel Silverstein poem. <laughs> I love Shell. Peanut butter vest. Yeah. Yeah. Shanna, it sounds also like, and I think I know this to be true as well of you, that you come from a pretty creative family between your sister and your dad's background as a, a filmmaker or at least a teacher um, at Sarah Lawrence. Um, and is your mom also a creative person too? She is kind of a, a secretly creative person. Like she, you know, she's, she worked for IBM for 40 years. Like she's a businesswoman, but then you know, she started taking a watercolor class and she's just making like insane watercolors and sort of has this creative streak that she doesn't really talk about or, I don't know, like honor in the same way that I do when I see what she makes. But yeah, I think we all definitely like to be creative and think creatively. And that was definitely like a huge part of growing up. Like my dad, you know, introduced us to like the high eight video camera I guess when we were born like you just always had it going and then me and my sister like literally every single day our entire childhood <laughs> we would just have that camera set up and just you know put on costumes like do crazy stuff in front of that like my sister's just been digitizing all of our videos and it's like thousands and thousands of hours of just us like going absolutely crazy and it's just like oh yeah like that is what we're still doing now everything, <laughs> everything we like to do as kids we're just literally doing the same stuff now what an awesome archive to have it's though cool, yeah that's so cool <laughs> i also feel like that is a great way to approach you know this idea of like well what do you want to be when you grow up uh what i've been doing since i've been a kid Right. Yeah. And it's kind of nice to go back to that and be like, right. Like I would love to just, you know, go when like iMovie came out or like garage band, like I would just spend hours like tinkering with that and being like, Oh, like I can put this video in reverse and like do like a magic show by myself, like in my basement. And I'm realizing like, that's still the way I work, you know, like being in my apartment alone for hours on end, like I feel good doing that. And it's like fun. I really have been trying to go back to that sort of like childlike curiosity of of what fueled me when I was little and just be like, that is what still, you know, fuels you today and like makes you excited for life. Yeah, 100%. I feel like that is often how I like to teach too, is interjecting play into the everyday and, and finding how to do that in whatever classroom environment that that is. Because I think we often forget about that, right? The heaviness of life or the hustle or capitalism or whatever restraints are pushed down upon us that like 
force that thing out of us, right? And totally. Yeah, I remember that about your work, like finding like what's the game here? Like what is that thing that we can like play with to make something dynamic? Well, it's like that idea of discovering catch. You know, like once you find the game, it's like, oh man, I don't want to stop playing this game forever. And then like, how do you find ways to bring that to an audience? How can they play the game too? Right. You know, as part of the of the performance. Well, I wonder, Shana, if maybe you could talk a little bit about, I mean, I know Lake talked about this and Tom Lee too. You know, Tom was talking about puppetry is like, you know, playing with your dollies when you were really, really young and Lake was also talking about, oh, yeah, it's like really harnessing that creative curiosity that you had as a kid. That's what puppetry really is. And it sounds like that runs a little bit parallel with how you see it, because I know we also all have like this background that is, we know Boon Raku style and we know the history of toy theater and we know Balinese shadow puppetry and all of these influences that we kind of incorporate into our work now. But it still seems like at the heart of it, it is this thing of you and your sister in front of a video camera making stuff and and having fun, right? Totally. Yeah, I feel that so much. Like if I'm doing something and it doesn't feel fun, I'm like, okay, then this isn't right. Like even in the process, if I'm like butting up against something and it's just not going and it's like such a struggle, I'm like, there's got to be a different way into this thing that I want to explore because... (laughs) you know it's just I'm thinking back to all the times before like a show or something I'm like so stressed out and like my apartment's a mess and I'm like covered in paint and then I'm like oh yeah like this is literally supposed to be fun like I'm like making this you know imaginative world and it's simply just a creative experiment and play like and I think if the process isn't fun to create in it, it's it's really not going to be that fun to enjoy. And I think that that goes counter to like how I was, not how I was raised, but kind of how we all grew up in this like white supremacist, supremacist capitalist society of like, you have to work so hard, you have to get straight A's, you have to struggle in order to be successful. Like you have to just do so much. And I guess in the past few years, I've really been trying to sort of ease up on that idea, even though it's so ingrained in me. I'd be like, okay, take away all of that. What is fun about this present moment of you in your studio with these materials and what's, yeah, what's enjoyable? I feel like the pandemic has done a little bit of that too. It's kind of forced this reflection on the inequities, you know, of society and how uh, things are so... uh, fragilely held together and then when we're made to stop and pause and the economy has to slow down and then we're not being forced or pushed into that capitalist white supremacist thing of like go 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 achieve 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 do 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 and now we're having to like sit back and wait a little bit there is also this really amazing opportunity at least I know I've started to think about it in a different way to re-examine you know, what it means to be an artist or a, a human that contributes to society in some way, shape or form and what it means to contribute and, and all of those things. I know that the it's been so difficult in so many ways. And at the same time, there's also some opportunity, it feels like, and what we can leave behind and hopefully move forward in a different way. 
uh, out of this pandemic. I hope. Completely. I completely agree. I think we're all going to emerge with really different philosophies about the way we make things and what we deem important. And also going to see theater with a totally new vision and also this collective vision. Like we're all going to go, when theater's open, we're all going to be seeing this work with the same, uh, I don't know, counterpoint of, or perspective, I guess, of, of what we've gone through the past few months. Yes, yeah, so much of what puppetry is too, as far as theater is what audiences bring to the work and put on the puppet. Um, and we'll dig into that a little bit more when we get back with more Shana Strike. Let's face it, puppetry is hard. It's even harder during a pandemic. The form is predicated upon people being in very close proximity to one another to puppeteer something and having an audience to see it. But the field persists, adapts, and pivots. And the New York State Puppet Festival and Shake on the Lake are doing just that in presenting their brand new online puppetry series, NYSPF at Home. This series of brand new short puppetry works made for an online, on-screen audience features some of our favorite artists, many of whom have been and will be featured on the Puppet Pod, including Andy Manjuk and Dorothy James with Bill's 44th, a Zoom birthday, Just Another Lynching, an American horror story by the artist Jagedo, Out of Office by Emma Wiseman and Emily Zemba, and a brand new multimedia puppetry piece from Tom Lee. NYSPF at Home brings puppet artists from their respective quarantines to you in your home starting in October and running through January. For more information and virtual tickets, please visit www.NewYorkStatePuppetFestival.org. That's www.NewYorkStatePuppetFestival.org. Puppetry is hard. But watching it in your home is easy with NYSPF at home. The Puppet Pod. We are back with more Shayna Stripe. And during the break, we were actually talking about the resiliency of the theater or the thing that we all uh, often engage in when we're not doing a podcast uh, version to talk about it. And Sarah, you're saying that you feel like theater is actually something that you think will come back really strong or has the ability to. And I'm curious what you think about that. And, and Shane, you too, like why, why you think that is? I, I, well, I think theater is just a resilient industry. You know, it's been around for forever and Artists always find a way to make stories. And I think it, this is definitely going to be a really large change. But I think artists are just, creativity is literally built into what we do. So we'll find something like a podcast. Yeah. I would say, like, I think, I don't know, maybe before this, I would be like, oh, theater's dying. Like, it's all going to be film and whatever, animation. But I think since coronavirus, I've, so missed being with people and going to shows and and just experiencing a piece of art with others. And I think Sarah Rule talked about this, just that part of theater is the ether. And without that, you don't have theater and just really missing, like sharing that 
ether with people so much. And it's not, I, you know, I've done like Zoom shows. It's not the same. It's, it's like, I don't know, nothing really compares. And it makes me really love theater even more than I did, you know? And I think there's also, with the virus going on and this idea that contactless, you know, pickup and, and service and all of that, it kind of brings to the forefront what it's like to touch and be in close proximity with other people. And I feel like theater is a really great way to explore that. I think we'll see a lot of pieces in the future that are coming out of this theme of, of touch, communication. There it is. There it is, since number five. Oh, I got it! Oh, yeah, got it. wow! That, that was a that. really good circling around. <laughs> we planned that. I, I hope so too. I mean, I I like to try to be a hopeful person and I think I am living more in a cynical place these days, which, you know, I notice and takes a bit of a toll, but I, I want for people to be hungry and excited to get into a, a small, cramped, dark room, <laughs> sit together and experience something that's happening for the first and only time with that group of assembled people at that one moment. The ephemeral nature of what we do is so exciting to me. And I hope other people are craving that and missing that too. I know certainly people are craving connection. And, and you know, you can see it because they're going out and doing it when they could be taking better precautions when doing it. But here we are. And I hope that that doesn't keep people away from the theater or scare them from large gatherings when we can again. Um, so I don't have a doubt that the artists can do it. I, I worry about the hunger for audiences to come back. Totally, yeah. But, you know, there's there's something on the other side of this, I think. There's ways around that. Yeah, there are, there are ways around it. And then people are already doing that. They're already doing that. Um, Shana, I wonder if you could... Talk a little bit about when someone asks you what you do, and you were kind of alluding to this a little bit in, in the break. When someone asks, hey, Shane, what, what's, what do you do? What is your typical answer? And I know it, base, it changes context to context, but I know for puppet people or people that work in puppetry, that answer can be really complicated sometimes. So I'm just curious for you, because you also do a lot of video arts and, and film work, and you're a teacher, of course. Do you have a patented answer or how does it change based on context? Yeah, I don't know. I was just writing my bio for this and I was like, Shada is a theater comma film comma puppetry artist. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, it just reads like Shada is a theater. Like it just, it, and there's no like good way to say it with all like the hyphens or it just like looks clunky. And I don't really know how to talk about it because yeah, I, I want to be like somebody who is going through different medium sort of with ease and just whatever the idea is kind of find the right medium for it so I don't know I think about like you know influences like Miranda July is someone I really look to like she might write a short story or you know make a film or make a little like store or do do anything that could I don't know be the right fit for you know what she is going for and so I guess, yeah, it's hard to put a label on it, but I definitely would, like, the short answer is, like, theater and film artist and puppeteer and educator. 
Yeah, I guess <laughs> I say I'm not a puppeteer. It's true. I would say like theater puppetry artist. I don't know. It's it's just language, but like, yeah. I guess I don't. I kind of have stopped doing puppetry in the sense like how we learned it at school. Like I really haven't done that in in many years, and I kind of feel okay like moving away from that in a bit and for a bit and trying to find you know other things I'm passionate about. Maybe some more of like the directing side of things I've really enjoyed. And, you know, just working with projection designers. And I mean, it's been really fun at Friends where I teach. I, I direct the middle school play. And at first I was like, oh, I'll do like Peter Pan or Willy Wonka. And then in recent years, I've just brought in like some of my best friends in this, in this world of, you know, theater makers and projection designers and, and puppet, puppet makers. And we've done like Animal Farm and of our teeth and like metamorphoses and it's crazy how much they get it like i my friend Britt mosley does all this really cool video work with like tanks of water with like materials in the tanks and so many um like kind of old school video cameras and all these wires attached and i i saw him perform at dixon place and i was like oh my god like i love that and then i hired him to work with me with the seventh and eighth graders on metamorphoses and the kids got so into it. Like they were able to like orchestrate this whole digital world with the projections that I, I could not even understand. Like if it were to malfunction, I'd be like, wow, like, can you come here? I have no idea what's going on. She's like, okay, yeah, we just reset the board here, this circuit here, da, da, da. And it's just like, I don't know. That is really what gets me going about theater making and puppetry is like, you know, bringing in this new media. It's that total making aspect of it, too, it seems, uh, that I love about puppetry. I know a lot of other puppet artists do, too, is you are the designer. You are the director often. You are sometimes performing in the piece as well as, as the puppeteer or the, the performer or the, the object or subject. Uh, you're writing it. There's often sound design. There's projection design. And in case people didn't know, it's often because puppetry doesn't really pay a whole lot. Shocker, right? <laughs> but, you know, out of the limitation, you have to have that ability to innovate and be creative and to learn new things. And like you said, the challenge of, oh, I don't know this. I'm going to figure this thing out. is so much a part of the theater that we like to make, but certainly this kind of puppet object devised world that we came from. Totally. Like for years I was using, when I would videotape like a puppet thing I was doing, I would put like a mirror behind the camera so that I could see what was happening in the camera. And it was so botched or I would like duct tape the mirror to the wall or like find the right tilt for the mirror. And then for my birthday this year, my sister just got me like a monitor to put on the camera. I was like, oh my God. Like Game changer. Game changer. It really is. I was like, I got so used to like using a mirror and I didn't even like realize that <laughs> there was an invention for that and it's called a monitor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just doing everything on your own. And then when I do find people to collaborate with, it's like so amazing, you know, like yeah. when you find like-minded people to work with, it's just so exciting or even not like-minded people. And you're like, what are you talking about? And I've like 
learned so much from working with people. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. It does feel sometimes like a lonely endeavor. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about one of those people that you do work with a lot, which is your sister. You all have these amazing videos that you work on and I know that her work primarily is in would you call it comedy I guess yeah for sure yeah yeah she does a lot of comedy I mean her like job job she's been um working for Planned Parenthood Los Angeles for like I want to say like 10 years she like is the the head of the education department there and does the social media for them but then time yeah just like running parallel to that she's always done comedy and sort of uses what she knows about sexual health to make these like hilarious videos that are so bizarre and like out there and really pushing the boundary. And yeah, I mean, me and Melissa, my sister, we worked at a theater camp for like eight years um, called Acting Manito. <laughs> Recommend if there's any young, young viewers who want to make some good theater in Maine. But uh, yeah, like we would do the staff talent show together every year which was like people would like sing a song or something and Melissa was like all right we're gonna do three scenes back to back from Matilda you're playing Danny DeVito and then we're gonna go into a hip-hop dance and it's gonna be this and this and I'd be like oh god like no it's gonna suck <laughs> but we're doing Shayna and like she's like I'm gonna glue cotton balls to my face and then you're gonna put mustard on your eyelids and I was like oh no and then we would do it and like everyone would be like, yeah. It's like, I don't know how she is able to just be so fearless in her making of things. But like the dynamic is like, she's like, we're going to do this. And I'm like, that's not a good idea. And then we do it. And like all the videos we've made, we've made in like two days. Like I fly out to LA. She has sort of like three fourths of like a script kind of. And I'm like, oh, no. And then we like try to write it together. And then we just film it. Like she'll film all the shots with me and I'll film all the shots with her. And then like the tripod is there for the shots together. And if it's like a walking shot, we're like, dad, can you film this? <laughs> but it's been really fun to just like kind of make that on the side and and have it be something that's like really silly and not necessarily like, like I feel like my work is, I put so much time into it and it's like my whole heart and like everything I'm like it's so considered I feel like and and maybe like you know a hundred people will see it in like a one night showing and then with this it's literally like sloppy and ridiculous and she gets like all these views on YouTube and be like I love this I'm like wow like it's so crazy how different <laughs> media is just like allow for different audiences but yeah yeah it's been like I mean I love I I couldn't think of anyone else that I would want to work with like that. It's just like a real gift to have my sister in this, in this journey. Shout out to Melissa. Melissa Stripe. Yeah. The big Lissa. <laughs> Is there a place that people could go to check out some of this stuff? Yeah. I mean, if you look at Melissa Stripe's YouTube page, it's so funny. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it literally has nothing to do with puppetry, but. That's okay. Yeah, her, her YouTube page. Also, she just came out with a TikTok. And uh, she's she's going viral on TikTok, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Not really, you know, whatever. It's, it is what it is. But um, yeah, so her, I mean, we both put stuff on Instagram. Like my Instagram is at Lucy Party. And um, 
yeah, we just have a bunch of stuff up there if you want to check it out. Amazing. Uh, we'll we'll make sure to put that in the, the website as well for you, yeah. Shana. Um, you're also talking about when you're making things, like the contrast with, from your sloppy and ridiculous process with your sister is one that's a little bit more considered and really personal and you put a lot of yourself into it, which reminds me of that show that you have been working on for a number of years and was supposed to be as part of the puppet festival here this summer that we've had to postpone. Uh, which is a show called Mine. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that show started to come together for you, uh, what maybe inspired you to begin it, or what excited you to begin it, and uh, what it currently is, its current state, and you know where, where it's headed. For sure, yeah. So it was funny because I was two weeks away from opening the show at Dixon Place. I was like, so excited, like, main stage show like it's sort of like what I've been working for and then and then yeah just everything shut down so it was kind of like a, a gut punch a little bit but now with everything happening in the world it's been really nice to take a break from it and not think about it for a few months and then now I'm starting to go back to it with a whole new vision sort of because I mean I can get into it but there's a lot of themes that I was sort of reckoning with about you know different infrastructures of society and, and capitalism and the environment and all these sort of overlapping themes that seem so pertinent right now. But I mean, the way it started, I, I studied abroad in Bolivia, like junior year of Sarah Lawrence. And um, it was, we went to this mine um, in Cerro Rico, Potosí, uh, Bolivia, and sort of coming back from that trip and thinking about you know, learning about feminism and, and eco-feminism and sort of seeing the way that we treat the earth and then thinking about the parallels between the way we, we treat women or, you know, people who identify as women and, and their bodies and, and finding these parallels. And then just going, you know, taking these like experimental playwriting classes uh, with like Cassandra Medley at, at Sarah Lawrence and... Cass Medley. And, yeah really just made me kind of look even more inward into personal narrative and, you know, getting like really into it in my own life and like where, you know, I've really struggled and stuff. So the, the show as it stands now is sort of an overlap between all of these themes of, you know, like memory and suburbia and childhood sort of overlapping with like the earth and, and capitalism and, and like collapsing infrastructure and sort of like, these structures that humans create and build these, you know, grand things that eventually have to collapse under their weight. And how do we then move forward? So like where I was really stuck with this piece was like, so this mountain, I play the mountain in this like ridiculous little mountain suit and my fingers are the miners and my, my body is mined out by these miners. And then the mountain is like struggling to keep everything together, but because it's mined out, mined out, mined out, eventually it just collapses into rubble. And then I was like, okay, so what is the vision? Like what happens after the rubble? Like after the collapse, like what is it? Like how does the earth like rebuild? And I'm still sort of like, I mean, thinking about, you know, different utopias or universes and using my imagination to kind of consider what a world would look like in 
you know, a non-capitalist society. What is it? And now that's, you know, in almost every conversation I have these days, people are like, well, what is it? Like, mm-hmm. coronavirus is like making us rethink about every, every structure and, you know, all of the racial injustice. It's like, okay, we have to change it. It's, it's gone so far in the wrong direction and it's collapsing around us. And now we need, I think, like a lot of creative thinkers and, and innovators and artists to conceptualize how to rebuild it. And it's not like I have any answers, but I'm like, that that's like what I'm tackling right now in the world. Yeah, I feel that similarly, <clears throat> not with this podcast necessarily, but in my other work is trying to figure out how to find a better way not in within the system, but are there other ways that we can make and teach and live and build societal structures with far more equity than the world that we're living in now? Uh, and it's been a really exciting place to explore and read and research and, and figure it out. And I love that your show so much exemplifies those things. I love that the piece plays with projection and live feed work, especially the tunnel scene where I think you're, is it a groundhog? Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a groundhog suit. It's like one of those kid play tunnels. And then I like walked up one side, but then I put my head in it with this like humanette, or I guess a groundhog net, <laughs> whatever. And that's supposed to be like the, the groundhog underground who kind of hoards all of the objects that, that humans are so attached to and can't get rid of, like all yeah. of their sentimental objects that kind of burden you like you know this goes back to like my house in suburban new jersey where it was just so much clutter of like our family history like my parents like childhood projects and like so much like matter and um i'm reading a a book right now called vital matter and it's like it's it's all about how those objects do contain all of this energy and so i'm just yeah thinking a lot about those those themes too and kind of in in context of of capitalism and like so much stuff like why do we hold on to all of these things and these old ideas and these old materials so there's definitely like a lot to explore for me like I feel like this these are the things that I'll probably just keep exploring throughout my work as I get older and like I I don't get bored of it like because I like Josh said I did this for my thesis at Sarah Lawrence and I'm like still reckoning with the same ideas because I feel like they're just still rattling around and like there's so many different ways to contend with them. Well I'm super excited to see more of it when we can. I'm I'm super pumped about it Uh, and we'll talk more about it and with Shana Stripe uh, when we come back. Sarah Stabley. Joshua Rice. You were from Perry, New York, is that correct? That is correct. Our hometown? Our hometown. And what is our hometown known for? Having 800 cows for every one person. More cows than people, that's right. But what else? Um, ooh, the Silver Lake Sea Serpent. That's true, we do have a sea serpent myth. But what else? Um, sometimes the air smells like cookies because we have a cookie factory in town. That's right, and then because of the cows, some days it smells like cow shit. But what else? Um... Well, we have a lot of bars, and we have even more churches. Yes, people do love to drink and love Jesus at the same time, but Sarah, what else? Um, 
Oh, we have a Carnegie Library. Oh my God, Sarah. No, it's the Silver Lake Brewing Project. Right, 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 right. SLBP. That's right, that's right. SLBP, which is our very own craft brewery here in Perry, New York, which just so happens to be the closest brewery to Letchworth State Park, the Grand Canyon of the East. So if you decide to go for a hike and see some of the gorges or any of the amazing waterfalls, then after you see all of these things, hike on over to the Silver Lake Brewing Project where you can try any one of their rotating selection of 11 craft beers specializing in Belgian and classic American craft styles. Sarah, that's like witchcraft, but beer, beer craft. Which is better. It is better. No one's being burned alive at the stake when you go to the Silver Lake Brewing Project. Sarah, what kind of beer craft is really tantalizing your taste buds? Right now, uh, it's definitely the Saisons. They're incredible. I would say the same for any one of their sour beers. They also have incredible IPAs and a classic Western New York cream ale. And you can come and have these beers in the tap room, which is an incredible place to visit. That was once a horse stable, and before that, a silent movie house, Sarah. Think of it, Buster Keaton riding a horse. With beer. That's right. Who wouldn't want to watch that silent movie? But if you feel like maybe you want to stay more socially distant, these beers are also available for curbside pickup, or you can sit outside on their patio and enjoy the sunshine and sip a tasty craft beer. So, Sarah... Perry, New York is famous and getting more famous by the glass. Because we have a podcast. Well, maybe one day, Sarah, a podcast about puppetry. That's right. We're going to make it big. We're going to put the town on the map with this podcast, Sarah. But the Silver Lake Brewing Project is already helping. Check them out at www.silverlakebrewingproject.com. We're back with some more Shayna Stripe. Shayna, one of the other things that I really love about your show, Mine, is there are elements of toy theater, it feels like, in ways that you're presenting the show, whether it's in the mountain suits itself and the miners that come out and surround the set that you're wearing, or even using your toes as a chorus that sing a song for, for the audience. It feels like that is toy theater and that is puppetry. Like you said, this broad definition of what puppetry is, I feel like everything about what you're doing fits into this world. Totally, yeah. I think, I mean, I love toy theater. That was the thing that got me so excited about puppetry when I, you know, was taking Dan Harlan's class. Like, you know, we we had an assignment that was like, take any part of any Shakespeare play or sonnet and create a toy theater. And I made this little dollhouse thing. And from there on, I was like, ah, like, this is it. But I also want to, like, wear it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I make, like, wearable sculptures that I can then puppeteer. And I remember we had someone come in, Pat Alesco. Pat Alesco. That? I was just thinking about that. Yeah. It's so mind-blowing to me. I was like, yes. Like, this person is just, like, gets it so hard. And, like, you know, using her work. She, she does a lot of like protest art, but also does like just like photography with her wearable sculptures. And then it's like, I don't know, when, when Trump was elected, I saw her doing all these really cool pieces at like Trump Tower wearing like some ridiculous getup. And I was like, I love that. Like there's something that's like so playful about it, but also just allows you to talk about 
you know, important messages and, and themes and stuff like that. So, you know, toy theater has just always been the the kind of thing that I'm most drawn to. And um, I think about like Dan Herlin's Who's Hungry thing where he, yeah. he made um, a series of toy theater shows about people who were dealing with homelessness and, and, and hunger and talked about wanting to make toy theater shows because he would go into these like rich people's living rooms asking for donations and making it so tight for them and so intimate that it's almost like this uncomfortable feeling that's urging them to really hear it. And just thinking about, okay, how do we actually use the the way the theater is set up and the medium to get the point across even more and like make the audience lean in. And I feel like when things are so small, it really makes you do that. And like another person that I was so obsessed with learning about was Brian Selznick. He yeah. did that. What is it? The, oh God, I can't remember now. Christine Jorgensen story or Andrew, whatever. Oh yeah. There's yeah. A video that's just, it's paper cutouts and it's for some reason just blew my mind. And I think about it like, probably once a week, <laughs> like just this, the innovation and like how simple it is, like a little thing coming up through a slit in a piece of paper and, and like a scroll that turns and words come across. And like, why is it that that is so captivating for me and maybe for other people? Um, and I that think was all out of a suitcase, right? Yeah. Right. It's just so magical. If you open this little universe and that's what I love about it. Um, and I feel like with film, like in quarantine, I've been, you know, experimenting more with film and I guess it's not really toy theater in the, um, real sense of the word, but using these like miniature sets and being able to like rig something up really fast and just like duct tape it to like a stool. But when you zoom in and focus it, it actually looks like a little toy theater. So yeah, it's like, there are these kind of touchstones that I always go back to and I'm like, yeah that and I don't know there's a lot of I look up to a lot of like sculpture artists that I really love um like this woman Masaki Kawai or like Michelle Gondry yeah his films and this person Jamie Warren who's making kind of like also wearable sculptures and films and like really wild stuff and um yeah Joan Jonas Meredith Monk I don't know all these people who are using sort of costume almost like as the set. I don't know if that makes sense. But. It totally does. It. It's one of the things that I love about your work, especially especially seeing when you were walking around New York City wearing a house. Yeah. That was part of the show for mine. And it like really took on a whole new meaning in quarantine. But it was like early March. My partner, Dane, who's a photographer, like we went, we rode the subway and I was wearing this huge house that I made out of like foam core and cardboard and it's like a little doll house so there's like little scenes inside with little puppets that you can manipulate in there yeah that was just like such a beautiful memory of before all this happened like you know kids like peeking their head in and being like I see a husband and wife in there <laughs> and like just the intimacy of like people coming up and interacting with you in this way that it's like oh well, you know she's wearing a house on her body so I think I can like interact with this person. Like a, like, this is a normal thing to interact with. I know. There's like toddlers who are like scratching the outside. Their mom's like, it sounds like music. And I was like, okay, but maybe like don't like, <laughs> the, the, like the light pictures are falling off. I'm like, 
all right. But it's also part of it, you know? It's like, the, I, I, yeah, I love that interaction with community and, I don't know, sharing it with people. Yeah, for sure. There it is, yeah. You are also describing one of the things about the um, Brian Selznick piece uh, that I think a lot of people maybe outside of puppetry aren't familiar with, which is the cranky, which you use a lot of in your work. Could you describe a little bit about what a cranky is? Yeah, a cranky is like a long piece of paper or any anything really. You can use different materials that you then put on like two rods and put across the screen and then you crank it. So it kind of like reveals either a story or I've done it as like, a landscape or a skyline or um i kind of did it for one show called ant track that was like vertical so that like a newscaster was cranking from the bottom and like the news headlines were being scrolled down behind him so i yeah again like there's a bunch of different ways you can use it and um i found it kind of a great tool for for puppetry and toy theater I did um, like a cross-country train trip in 2017 or 2016 where I interviewed a bunch of people and then used their interviews to make a piece. And I was trying to somehow show that like sprawling landscape that I, you know, from California to New York. And so I was like, ah, it's going to be like a cranky 2D backdrop, but then also like a wheel in the front of that that cranks with like a cityscape and like a desertscape and a forest and like, I don't know, just kind of taking one idea of the cranky and then sort of playing with it to see what other iterations I could make of it. I love the idea of how the cranky just scrolls in whatever direction to just reveal more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And it just winds up on like the spools on either end. And it's such a compact way to create really lovely imagery. Totally. And I think in the beginning, when I first did that, I was... I was really intimidated by the idea of like the woodwork behind it. And sure. I went to my like local hardware store and this guy, Chris was like, okay, wait, what are we talking about here? And like, Oh, cause I'd worked with him before on something. I was like, I want to make like a conveyor belt for a thing. And he was like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking about it? I was like, I don't know, maybe like rolling pins. Cause it's like 1950s. He was like, come back in three hours. And like, I was like, what? And I came back and he had like built it. And I was like, Chris, like, what is this? Like, I don't even know him. He just like, is really creative and like works at the hardware store. And so then when I was kind of like, <laughs> the Crest Hardware, shout out, like they're the best. I went and I was like, Chris, like I don't understand how to build this. And he would like, after hours, like go into the studio in the back of Crest Hardware and like build this huge cranky, like better than I could have ever imagined. And I was like, oh my God, it was just like such a beautiful collaboration. And like, was so inspiring to me that then like for my my last show for mine when I wanted to make a cranky I was like kind of like studying what he had made and I was like okay I think I can kind of make my own version of this and like it was sort of weird like using like magnets to like clasp the little rod in and like I don't know just playing around with it but yeah definitely inspired by his generosity <laughs> like after he made the whole thing I was like oh my god this is like hundreds of dollars like I'm gonna never be able to like afford this and I was like Chris, like, how, how much can I pay you? And he was like, $20? $20? And I was like, okay. It's, like, so insanely generous. But, yeah, just a lot of creative people in the world who want to help out. Shout out to Chris at the hardware store. Yeah, thank you. That's incredible. Uh, Shana, I think we've actually 
come to the end of our time here, but before uh, we go away, we do this thing that we call the Puppet Hot Pot. The Puppet Hot Pot. In which we ask a series of rapid fire questions and you just kind of come up with your top of mind answer, whatever, whatever is there. Okay. Are you willing to step into the hot pot? <laughs> I'm willing. I'm okay. Willing. Yes. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Uh, what has been a, a quarantine hobby that you have developed? Oh, my God. Well, I just got an Apple Pencil. My sister got me an Apple Pencil, and I have not slept in, like, four days. So I'm so upset. <laughs> I like go into the night, like the texture of the of the Apple Pencil on the iPad to animate. That's amazing. Can you relay any stories of onstage puppetry or theater disasters that you've had to work through to keep the performance going? Oh my God, so many. I remember like right in the beginning of my first show that I ever made on my own ant track. Speaking of crankies, it had this like kicker cranky on the bottom for the newscaster to crank. And I was like so nervous for the show. And like right before they're like, and now Amtrak. And I saw that the the tape on it had like burst because we had like refinagled something. And I just remember like going out in my full on ant suit and like, hey everybody. And like my my hands like trembling, trying to like retape this stupid like paper kicker right before the, the show started. But I'm like, that's part of it. Like, that's what I love about theater. It's like so ridiculous, like being in that ant suit, but you know, it worked out in the end. Terrifying. <laughs> what is a favorite place in the world that your work has taken you? Wow. I mean, I feel like a really strong connection to this theater uh, company called Teatro Trono in Bolivia. The, it's called Pompa, and they they're really big on using all recycled materials. Like their entire building is made out of recycled materials. And like Whoa. they were the ones that first got me thinking about like, they're like, like trash is like a capitalist idea. Like you can recycle anything and everything is material for you to use. And that's really what's gotten me like interested in like cutting up a pair of like bad gaucho pants from Zara to make some puppets and like yeah getting innovative with that i love that do you have any favorite forms of puppetry indoor theater in this current moment i guess like we said toy theater has always been like really influential to me i love i mean i love dance i love i love movement and i love kind of like the blend of projection and dance and puppetry so any any artist that's really kind of playing with form, even even sculptors that are you know somehow incorporating some performance, it's just like what I'm super into these days. That reminds me of Patty Bradshaw. Yeah, Patty's my number one. <laughs> Shout out to Patty Bradshaw. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> hmm, I'm like. Thinking about that question these days a lot. I'm taking some time yeah. off from teaching. And at Friends, where I teach, they always ask, like, instead of what do you want to be when you grow up, like, what kind of person do you want to be? And, like, mm. what what do you want to share with the world? And, and that's sort of where I'm at these days. I'm like, I want to continue 
playing with the things that make me feel really happy and really good and hopefully inspire people and use, you know, the different techniques and mediums that I've become used to using to sort of inspire people and, and, you know, I don't know, create, just continue to create work. I guess just like keep doing what I've been doing and, and explore different, different ways to go about creating. One last one. If you had a wish for the world, what would it be? Oh gosh. Like okay, my wish for the world, let it crumble and then let us rebuild thoughtfully and peacefully and artistically. That's so lovely. <laughs> the crumbling isn't lovely. I think the crumbling is oh, yeah. pretty bad, but I think we need to do it. We need to really rethink and reconsider how we go about every single day and every single moment. I'm with you there, Shayna. Uh, thank you so much for your time today and, and chatting with us and oh and i also want to say before we go sheena thanks for coming to the puppet festival the first time that we did it in 2018 it meant so much to look out and see you and uh have you interact with the shows and and the artists of course that we all knew um there but it was such a thrill to see it you was and my have absolute you pleasure i remember that so vividly like weeping watching these shows for some reason like I don't know. That felt so good being there. I just can't wait to be there again and support Puppetry and Perry. Thanks, Shana. And I hope uh, we'll be able to uh, share your work in a real life human space at some point in the future when we can have the Puppet Festival again. For sure. I can't wait to come to Perry. Ladies and gentlemen, Shana Stripe. Thanks, Shana. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Josh and Terry, the best. The Puppet Pod, hosted by Josh Rice and me, Sarah Stabley. Produced and engineered by also me, Sarah Stabley. Additional editing by Josh Marks. Theme song and incidental music by Seth Forgolzia. Additional music by Hazar and Scott Holmes. Executive produced by Dixon Place and the New York State Puppet Festival, a program of Shake on the Lake and Josh Rice Projects. Support is provided by Dixon Place, the Jim Henson Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Arts Council for Wyoming County Community Arts Grant. This decentralization program is made possible in part with funds from the New York State Council on the Arts, with the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature, administered in Wyoming County by the Arts Council for Wyoming County. To make donations, please visit shakeonthelake.org or dixonplace.org. For more information about the artists featured on our podcast, please visit www.thepuppetpod.com.